It's uh, warming up in here. Oh, yes, I shall need that. Thank you very much. What do you got? Already up there, so that's good. We're furthering on in our forward together. You'll remember over the last uh, three weeks we've been looking at this. Nathan kicked it off three weeks ago, and uh, I'm going to be speaking today and next week, looking at it a bit more. We're going to be looking at it for about six, seven weeks, I think, of what it means to move forward together as a church in different areas of our life. Just a bit of uh, revision here. Where first week we, we looked at LifeGate's vision to see people live in the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. And then the second week, we looked at the values, and that's all about getting real, taking action. And then last week, we looked at goals. And Nathan handed out that sheet on goals, but we looked at really um, six areas to engage in for our growth. And hopefully, if you're in a life group this week, you would have touched on that. Did anyone go to a life group that touched on this? Yes, good. Okay, what are these areas that uh, we need to work on for um, engaging in, in moving forward? Um, now, during these messages, we looked at this uh, chapter in Philippians, these words in Philippians, Philippians 2, 1 to 5. And this very much sums up what Forward Together is all about. So I'd like to read it with us uh, for you. Therefore, Paul says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, it's kind of like a little list, isn't it? You get the ticket? Did you tick as you went through? Yeah, yeah, I got that. Yeah, I believe that. So he's got all these things. Then make my joy complete, he says. Now he's talking to those in Philippi. He says, do this. Be like-minded. Having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but to each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. And because then he launches into what Jesus did by coming down from the Father and taking on a servant and entering into this life and giving all he had. Beautiful scripture. And I I really love it. Nathan actually summed these verses up really well. Um, He says, the words he uses was, treat people well. This is what this speaks about, treating people well. I like how Nathan can get big words, uh, sentences into just a few words. Get real, take action, treat people well. I can remember little sentences, by the way. A few words, I've got it. Long sentences, I get lost. So treating people well is where we want to move forward, under the vision of the church and in the light of treating people well. And I think that's where we're going with this. Same vision and treating people well. Now, let me go back one. I don't know about you, but maybe we can be a bit honest here. It's always good to be honest, especially when you're in the pulpit. Treating people well doesn't always come easy. Anyone want to put their hand up for that? (laughs) Yes. Yes. It is hard, isn't it? Um, I know what God asks of me, and I know what the Word of God requires of me, but sometimes the old Ken Woolley rises up and takes control And I lose control. I will say words that I shouldn't be saying. 
And I'll even say, I won't say words that I should be saying. Encouragement, where I should be giving it, it won't be there. Or I'll have actions that I should be doing, but I'm not. Or sometimes there's actions I shouldn't be doing and I am. And I guess, you know, uh, I've got, I live with three, uh, three other people and they'd be a good witness. I'm glad they're not here. I don't think Fee's not here. But they're a good witness to verify that I go like this in my walk. And I think if we're all honest, at some level, we do that. Um, it's, it's, it's this selfishness that rises up, this self-centeredness. Who's my focus in life? So often it gets, my eyes get back onto me, and that is frustrating. So God is going to speak to us today about what it means to look beyond us to others, and that's what's summed up here. Okay, Look, I, I actually think it's like a wrestle between the old self and the new self. And Paul actually talks about it in Ephesians. But have a look at the way he says it here in Romans. You've got to read this really slowly, otherwise you get all tongue-tied. He says, For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me and that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me. It's waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Can you hear the pain in Paul's voice? What a wretched man I am. And then he asks this question. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? It's excruciating for him. He's going, who will rescue me from this? The frustration of not doing what I want to do and doing what I don't want to do. And he's got an answer, verse 25. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You can just hear him go, thank you, God. You deliver me from this frustrating wrestle I get caught in. And that's what it's like for me. Paul's answer is that Jesus Christ's life, death, resurrection and ascension, back to the Father, is the answer to this frustrating up and down wrestle. Jesus paid the price for our sin, breaking its power over us. And on returning to the Father... He sent the Holy Spirit to enable us to say no to sin. And with saying no to sin, we actually can live victoriously, which is the invitation that God invites us into in the Christian life. We can live victoriously because of the Spirit in us. You see, Jesus is the answer to sin's control. He paid for it on the cross. That's what we remember communion for. The wage was paid. Death was paid for. His body did that. But in returning to the Father, he sends the Holy Spirit. And it's the indwelling Holy Spirit that is our advantage to live victoriously, to live courageously. The Holy Spirit is our advantage in living life today. Now, when you start um, chapter 5, I'm going to read to you here. 
uh, from Ephesians. But when you start chapter 5, Paul actually says, be imitators of God and walk in this manner. I think, Amy, you speak last week about being an example, as Paul is. Well, here Paul's actually saying, you've got to imitate God. That's no small order, is it? It's a big call. I want you to imitate God. Wow. Big order, Paul. Then he goes on throughout the chapter, but he gets to this middle verse. And this is his answer of how we fulfill what he's talking about. It sits right there in the middle. So we're moving forward, that's what we're talking about. If we're going to treat people well, how do we do it? We recognise that it's a bit frustrating. But the only way possible, I think, that we can possibly fulfil this is with whom our Heavenly Father has given us. And that's the Holy Spirit. Have a look at it. Paul says it this way. He says, be very careful then how you live. It's a bit cool there, isn't it? Some versions have walk in the place of live. But that's what you understand what he's saying. Be very careful in how you live. There's a big call for us. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, I want you to notice what Paul has to say about the Holy Spirit. Because I believe this is the key to the whole section. And it's the key to this. It's the key for us to move forward in the vision, to see people live in the freedom and purpose, and it's the key to how we treat people well. Paul says this, right in the middle of the 33 verses or so in chapter 5. He says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. What Paul wants from us here is to be completely under another's control. Completely under another's control. Now, I remember what it's like not to be in control. I don't... I wasn't a heavy drinker, so I wasn't a drunkard very much. But I do remember what it was like to be out of control once when I was in Dreamworld. It was called the Tower of Terror. And I remember getting to this machine which locked you in and you were shot from 0 to 161 kilometres an hour in seven seconds. That's 100 miles an hour in the old terms. You were shot... 206 metres along a, through a tunnel and then turned 90 degrees and you went up 38 storeys into the air. Has anyone ever been on it? Well, when you get to about 6G, you then stop and then you fall back down to earth and back into the tunnel. Do you want to see what it looks like? Okay, let's show That's 38 stories right there. 
and you just hope the brakes work. Now, the thing about this ride is, once you get in, you cannot get out. But once you get out, you're glad you are. And I said before, there was a lot of crying people, and most of them were the men, and I think I was included with it. It's a horrific feeling, going backwards that fast and being taken to that extreme. You are out of control. Once committed, there's no way of getting out of it. You're completely under its control. And I believe what Paul is talking about here, to be filled with the Spirit, means to live under the control of the Holy Spirit. You become a Christian, you commit yourself to God, and you give him your all. And you're there for the ride. Strap yourself in. But he's got the Holy Spirit to lead us. You see, there's a reason Paul compares, I think, the filling of the Spirit with a drunk person. Because a drunk person is under the influence of alcohol. But a Spirit-filled person is under the influence of the Holy Spirit. You think about it. The big difference is that drunkenness leads to losing control of the self, where spirit filling leads to self control. And you know where self control comes from, don't you? It's one of the fruit of the spirit. Galatians six twenty. So you want self control, it is the Holy Spirit that brings that to us. And with his self control in us displaying the fruit of the Spirit, we get to live under his control and to fulfill what he desires from us. You see, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, we do not lose control, we actually gain it. We actually gain it. And who better to be under the control of than someone who is holy? If I'm going to be controlled by anything or by anyone, I want them to be pure. I don't want you to control me. No offence. You don't want me to control you. And I'm sure that's right. But we can give our life to the Holy Spirit, God, who indwells us and will always do the best for us. That's who I want to strap in and sit with and go for the ride, wherever and whenever he takes me. To be filled with the Spirit is a wonderful privilege, I believe, for the Christian person. In fact, Jesus said this about the Spirit when he was talking about going back to the Father. Look at these amazing words. Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your what? Advantage. It is to your advantage that I go away for you. Uh, Go away for... uh, For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go... I will send him to you. Isn't that good? We have an advantage. You have an advantage in helping you live and move forward. He is the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a lot of things in life that control us. There's a lot of things. Things like, you know, the stuff we own, you know, the toys we possess. They can control us or, or the drive that's with us for more power or more control over this or that or people. Or there's, um, there, there, there's fame or fortune that people go after, but they, that tends to control them. Then there's positions in the workforce, if I can only rise up, and, and that tends to 
to control you. But, you know, you can add to all of this the, the, the medication that goes with it, whether it's drugs or sexual encounters or alcohol, and that just fires it all up. And, but, you know, you don't even have to go that far when you think of it. Um, it can be just fear of the future. Is anyone fearful about what next week's going to hold? That can control you. What about words spoken over you, to, over you from the past? You know, you're no good. You're a loser. You're a failure. Those are things that control you. What about um, uh, doing things in your own strength and on your own steam? I had that experience this week. I I, I felt quite uh, anxious. And, and And I had to actually stop, pull myself aside, move out of my preacher's chair and sit on another chair. Otherwise I'm just focusing. And and just sit with God and go, what am I anxious about? This is all about me, isn't it? And I had to have this conversation with God. It's not about me. I am his instrument. He's the one that should be leading me. I do not need to be anxious at this if I am his. He's the one that needs to take control, not me. You see, my problem is I'm a bit of a control freak. And I like to hold it in my hands. That, that gives me safety. But sometimes you've got to hold it. You've got to let it go. Hold it with an open hand as he leads and guides you. Because all of these things can leave you feeling pretty empty and oppressed. But the opposite occurs under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I had to do in that chair. I had to go, hold on. This is yours. You live in me. You are the one that empowers me to do it. Okay, I'm back in your hands. That's a good thing. Take it out of my control, put it back into the one who can control, who is the advantage for me to do life. You see, we don't lose control in him. We actually gain it. But how does this happen? Well, we gain control of our lives by giving it away to the leading of the spirit within us. And if you're a control freak, that's the hardest part, giving it away. But you have to. To explain this, Paul uses this example of a person drunk with alcohol. Now, the Greek word used here means to be filled to the full, drunk, to be filled for the full. That's, that's the word he uses. And Paul 